0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.
1: It is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by Athletic Greens, your one-stop shopping for 75 high-quality vitamins to help you start your day right. And also our friends at betonline.ag, fastest, easiest way to bet on sports. Before we get into the Patriots, Greg, of course, we're both very, very aware of New England sports outside of the Patriots organization. And uh, late last night, bomb, Shamsbaum, bomb, uh Ime Udoka might be out as Celtics coach. He might resign, according to some. Celtics might actually suspend him for the full season for an inappropriate relationship inside of the Celtics organization. Just uh, your thoughts on that story, Greg. Well, Nick, this is your... This is sort of your round. Why don't
0: you go first and then I'll follow because I'm sure you have thoughts. (laughs)
1: Uh, All right. Well, you know, for the non-basketball side, let me just say this. We are seeing the very worst of Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I blame Adrian Wojanowski for some of that. Uh, Look, Woj is great at what he does. He's one of the best in the business. But his first tweet last night about this story was so vague. It led to reckless speculation. And I, I thought it was an example of the media in 2022 trying to be first, trying to be the first one to get something out there, some kind of story. I have to be cryptic about it. And it led a bunch of people on Twitter to just be reckless and irresponsible. And that has continued today. Um, Allison Feaster, who is a member of this Celtics organization, her name was thrown out there as oh, maybe it was her who email was with. Mark Spears came out of ESPN today and said it was not Allison Feaster. Uh, this is to clear her name. I, I would just remind people that Alison Feaster is married with children. And so that kind of reckless speculation on Twitter, is, it's just nonsense. And, and, and people, you're just witnessing the very worst of it. That's the first thing. Yeah. Second thing is, here's one point that a lot of people are missing about the punishment. I see a lot of reaction. There's actually two things about this. Oh, a, a year suspension for a, for an affair that was consensual. Three parts of this. I'll I'll keep adding parts. The first part is we have no idea what the details are. Like, Mm -hmm. how can we judge the punishment when we don't know what you know the details are of the violation of the of the policy and the organizational guidelines? We have no idea, and I'm not going to recklessly speculate like people on Twitter. There are a lot of possibilities as to what might have happened and why this is a full year long suspension. We don't know those details. Secondly. I will look at this and say, the Celtics have to look at this as an organization and as a company, you have to protect yourself. And if you do not react swiftly and you do not react harshly enough, here's what happens. You set the precedent for power dynamics to not matter within your organization. So if there's another relationship down the road between two people, and it happens to be between people at different power levels within the franchise you are setting a dangerous precedent if you give Ime Udoka a slap on the wrist. You have to make a statement as a franchise, as a corporation, as an organization, that we are not going to allow power dynamics to affect relationships and have relationships inside of this franchise. It's not going to happen. Consensual, absolutely. Not every single you know, relationship started within a business that has power structure to it you know, ends in, in catastrophe. As a manager myself, I would suggest not to get into a relationship with somebody who might be above or below you in the business that you work at. But I've seen it happen realistically. I've seen it happen and I've seen it work. So I don't want to say that, you know, the idea of power structure eliminates all consent. I don't agree with that notion. That is not true. But the Celtics have to look at this and say, hey, man, you know, what happens if the next head coach happens to, you know, be attracted to a female within the organization and, they use their power and influence to strike up a relationship with that person. We already put the precedent on the books on how we handled Ime Udoka, so they have to think about that. And so I think that's why you see the talk of a, of a year-long suspension. And again, you know, power dynamics do play a role, and it depends on all of the details that we don't have. How this relationship came about, uh, who you know, who actually approached who, um, a lot of other things. Again, that I don't want to go down the road of, but th- this is a lot more convoluted and detailed than, oh, just two, two, you know, human beings and two adults consenting.
0: Yep. Uh, I, a couple of thoughts that I have, and again, the the operative word is we don't really have any details. And uh, quite Definitely. frankly, I really hope we don't get details because um, everybody doesn't need to know everything. Um you know, right. even in this day and age of sports, when it comes to, you know, people's private lives. And, and you know, like you said, there you know, some people already being dragged into this who have um, who are married, who have kids. And, and it's just unfortunate. A couple of thoughts that I have. Um, number one, um, if the Celtics are indeed taking a stand about what's going on within their organization, I applaud them. I, I think that there are not a lot of organizations in sports that would, um, when it comes to a head coach who, who went to the NBA finals last year in his first year would say, this is the way our organization is run. No one is above the law in our organization. And and for too many years, I've been involved in professional sports for, you know, 25 years. And probably my biggest complaint about, uh, about professional sports is how it's misogynistic and it's a boys club and, and, players coaches executives they get away with whatever they want without repercussions and there can be far-reaching effects and uh, if the celtics are indeed taking a stand i applaud them for it um i think this also has if if the nba with the nba has been one of the best leagues at increasing roles for women in all sorts of levels coaching um executives team Baseball's gotten there. Football's starting to get there. I think this this is a this is a direct result of that. That you're seeing that women rightfully have power within organizations. That uh, just because they didn't play the you know play the sport at a professional level or what have you hasn't held them down. And you know if, if that is going to be the case that the, that it's not just lip service, then you have to make you have to enforce rules like this so that there is not an imbalance of power um going on and and as a you know I have twins boy girl you know I have a daughter who's very athletic I coach a lot of uh women in um in softball and basketball and in other sports and and I am all for um women getting more opportunities and and I you know I one of the things I always tell them and I always use examples of people of uh, getting head coaching jobs or general managers or what have you, first female vice president of the United States, I always take a minute and talk to them and and, and reinforce to them, like there's nothing that you can't do anymore. There is no ceiling for you. And, and I think enforcing dynamics like this is important. And my final thought is, look, we had Alex Cora suspended for a year. We had Bruce Cassidy fired. Now we have MAU Doka part of me is like, you know, what's next? I mean, Bill's really the last one standing (laughs) the last one unscathed. I mean, that's just, I'm not saying there's anything imminent. That's just like, that's just the thought I had going through my head. And I do just want to mention, and maybe we can, maybe this illustrates the changing in times in sports. Oh, look, not too long ago, Bill Belichick was testified in a divorce proceedings that had to do with something uh, that happened while he was with the giants. And in fact, it's weird that just the other day I was talking to someone about Bill Belichick and about his ability to go someplace else. And they told me that in their mind, it would be very hard for them to see Bill ever uh, going back to the giants because, because of what happened back then and how that impacted the Mares. And so, you know, these all these dynamics go on and in the past, they they not not condoned, but uh, people look the other way. There's a changing power dynamic, and that's to, in my mind a di- direct
1: result to women rightfully ascending in professional sports. Last thing, I just want to touch on the basketball side of this. I feel terrible for the guys. You know, when you're you're on a team that is. In some people's eyes, at least the second best team in the Eastern Conference behind Milwaukee. Some would argue they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. I, I think they're not as good as Milwaukee when Milwaukee's healthy. But, you know, they had a chance and they still have a chance. Look, they still have a chance at the finals, right? They still have a chance to win a championship this year. But in the last month, you've lost Gallinari. You've lost Rob Williams for the first, at least for the next four to six weeks. And with his history, who knows what's going to happen with that? And now your head coach is gone, at least for a year, if not forever, if he resigns. That's less than ideal when you're about to start training camp and when you're start to, about to start the preseason. So it'd be and a Nick, heck of a story the way, if these guys could overcome. Yeah, by, by the way, I just wanted to
0: mention, you know, that interview, I think Wick gave with the Boston Globe not too long ago where he completely downplayed expectations for this team. It yeah. now looks a lot different yeah. in context. He knew something was coming that they were, you know, this has been in the works for a while. Cause I just didn't understand. I'm like, bro, you were just in the NBA finals against the golden state warriors and you almost won. And like, now you're just some team in the East. Like, come on. Um, So I don't know. It just looks different in hindsight.
1: Yeah, He's he's calling him overrated publicly, which was a little weird. And now it does make a little bit more sense, but I just feel bad for the guys. I feel bad for Tatum. I feel bad for Jalen Brown. Of course you had the the Jalen Brown, Kevin Durant stuff that was thrown out there. There's just been you know, too much drama, and a lot of it out of the hands, or pretty much all of it, out of the hands of the guys that are actually going to be on the floor playing. So yep. I do feel terrible for the guys that are actually going to play basketball this season. All right, let's jump to the Patriots. The Ravens are coming to Foxborough. Uh, first and foremost, Greg, I think the Patriots should expect a, a very motivated, a very upset, and dare I say pissed, Baltimore Ravens after crumbling in the second half against Tua and the Dolphins last week
0: yeah without question i i think that um if you're the patriots and you know this is a little early for them to be firing on all cylinders you were hoping to get a two and oh sort of fat overweight ravens team feeling good about themselves coming in here to, to foxborough and you might be able to you know get to jump on them and take them by surprise but after what happened in the fourth quarter last week in miami when i think they gave up 20 28 points uh to lose in the fourth quarter uh you know that that's gone. The Ravens will be very grumpy this week. That's the worst kind of Ravens team that you want to see. So that's that's a tough draw for for the Patriots, but just you know in general about the Ravens, I mean they're they're good. Um you know, we'll get into the, the particulars on offense and defense, but just in general, you know, watching some of the, their film, or watching their two games, they beat the Jets and they lost to the Dolphins. One thing that stood out is you know, they've really just put together two good halves in both games. Um, they they were kind of slow coming out of the gates against the Jets, especially offensively. Um, and then they ended up winning comfortably. It been mostly, you know, end of the second quarter through the end of the game. Uh, basically, it was like end of the second quarter and third quarter. And then against the Dolphins, they were awesome in the first half and not so great in the second half. And so, you know, that's sort of, it goes with the mo that we've seen with the Ravens um, over the years. They they've never quite put it all together for 60 minutes very often. Um, you can count on them going into a lull if they're up big or getting off to a slow start. So uh, the Patriots need to take advantage of that because this is not there are some flaws on this team, and uh, it would be really nice. We I think we saw last week against the Steelers that the Patriots playing with a lead is a formula this year, is the formula this year with this team, the way it's constructed at this point. And that becomes more important
1: against a team like the Ravens. Before we get to the on the field stuff with Lamar Jackson, we're going to break that down. Uh, Belichick said something very interesting this week. He was talking about Lamar and then he kind of just threw his contract status out there in passing. Why do you think Bill Belichick did that, Greg? Chess and checkers. <laughs> I- I'm telling you.
0: I think I've never heard a comment like that from bill. It's let's just put it on the list of stuff. He has said this year that you never, ever thought you'd hear bill bill Belichick uh, say, I think a hundred percent. I think that was a calculated shot at the Ravens to yep. drive up Lamar's price tag and make yep. his, his negotiations even worse. Cause remember Lamar represents himself, him and his mom represent themselves. That is definitely going to get back to Lamar. That is definitely going to inflate him. That he's going to be like, man, Bill Belichick said, like, you know, I should get whatever I'm worth and, you know, look at where Deshaun is and it's back to the hold. nope, I want it $50 million guaranteed. Like it is, if I'm the Ravens and I know those guys pretty well, I'm freaking pissed. And like, and part (laughs) of me wants to go look and see what are the tampering rules about Another player in his contract, because I think that was calculated to drive up the price to to, to throw a wrench even more into the negotiations between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, because Bill looks at it and it's just like, yeah, I need to get that guy out of the conference. And I, I think it was completely calculated and, and to, to screw up, to screw with the Ravens.
1: I agree with you. It's a weird situation, this contract negotiation between Jackson and the team. You mentioned the representation. He represents himself. His mom helps as well. He's got kind of a circle of people that he trusts. No professional agency is representing him in this thing, which, you know, becomes kind of arbitration when you're representing yourself because the team is telling you what they don't like about you, why they don't want to pay you this much money, and you're fighting for yourself. It's a very weird situation. And some of the stuff that's come out, you know, the fact that Lamar didn't really talk to the team much, this offseason, the team said, well, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying. And then there was the leak from a couple of weeks ago saying he turned down that, you know, contract for hundreds of millions and Lamar was asked about it. And he smartly said, Oh, what was the guarantee? What was it? Was it 200 plus million guaranteed? Of course it wasn't. It was 133 million guaranteed. And what Lamar's looking at is Deshaun Watson. Look, the Browns screwed it up for everybody else. If a, if a quarterback that has won an MVP like Lamar has, you know, he can go to the Ravens and say, the Browns paid Deshaun Watson $250 million guaranteed. Has he ever won an MVP? Does he have 20 plus sexual assault allegations hovering over his head? Oh, that answer is no. And the second answer is no. Okay, good. So you have to give me at least $251 million guaranteed on my next contract. That's what's going on. Let's talk about Lamar on the field, Greg. Why has he been so good this year?
0: Uh, well, a few different reasons. Um, number one, I just think it's natural progression. I think that in Lamar Jackson, every year has gotten a little bit better. And really, it's been a case of can he stay healthy? Um, can he avoid COVID? That sort of thing. I mean, he's missed 19 games the past two seasons. I think uh, I think he missed 14 or 15 last year. Um, and... You know that's been an issue, and it's an issue the way that he plays, and he still runs. But I got to tell you, this watching the film, this is the best version of Lamar Jackson I have ever seen. He is completely in control in the pocket. He is seeing the field bigger and better than ever before. He is now the, he had a he had a slant for a touchdown to Bateman against Xavier Zav- 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 Howard of the Dolphins, who just gave the Patriots all sorts of fits. Um, of course, the Devontae Parker interception in the end zone, but they just ran up backside slant, a little bit of play action backside slant, something that the Patriots will normally do. They don't really do it as much anymore. Um, and Lamar Jackson completely moved the safety that was supposed to help Howard in the middle of the field, moved him with his eyes, and then came back through a rifle and Bateman was gone. Um, he, he is just... He, he does a lot of checks at the line, um, running and throwing in terms of, you know, getting them into good plays. That's not unusual. He's always sort of done some of that going back to college. He does even more now. Uh, he is so calm now and doesn't panic and scans, goes to his second and third progressions much better than he used to. And. He is just, and here's the other thing that I think that that makes the Ravens da- dangerous on offense. Um, not only has Lamar Jackson gotten better, I think they've gotten a little bit better everywhere. Like their offensive line, I still don't love it, but it's better than it was last year. And they don't even have the. We'll see if Ronnie Stanley's able to start this week. He's been practicing more and more. I would tend to doubt it. Maybe we'll see. But they've had issues at left tackle. They had Juwan James. He's hurt. Now they have this guy, Makkay, there, who's really a guard who's not any good. Um but the line has gotten a little bit better. And I the receivers are much better. I mean, if Duvernay is dealing with a concussion, but Bateman's the legitimate number one. You have Denard Love Robinson it. from the he's he's tremendous. I will say this though, on film sometimes he runs the wrong routes. He really does. There are times where just like, I, there was one route where Mark, Mark Andrews, they were supposed to run two slants going over the top. And Andrews was supposed to run a drag underneath and Andrews stopped running and went the other way because no one was running the route. Right. And you see that from time to time with the Ravens. And that's one of their flaws that they don't always, they're not the most disciplined group, uh, but you know, Lamar is just he's so fast. He's his arm, he flicks it like sixty yards without even moving his feet. Like he's just you know, he he is he is Michael Vick, but completely elevated and polished game. He is incredible at this point, and he is
1: going to be a handful to defend this weekend. He's been a little bit polarizing over the past couple of years. I, I don't think there's one player that I have battled people on uh, on radio more than I've battled people about Lamar Jackson when I was in Virginia uh, and, and when I was doing ESPN National Radio. I, I've always been of the belief that he needs to get better from the pocket. I think that's been a, a fair criticism of his. I think when you take away the Ravens' run game, he was not as productive standing in the pocket and delivering throws consistently, especially in tight windows. But I also, you know, I also believe that some of that was on Greg Roman and his stubbornness to to stick with the same system. Some of that was with the lack of talent surrounding Lamar Jackson at wide receiver, specifically. And so, and some of it was offensive line. He should never have taken all of the blame. But I do think he needed to take steps and progress when it comes to be a pocket passer. And so far, it looks like this year he has done that. And if he has added that element of of the game to his quarterback play, then like you said, Greg, he's going to be tremendously difficult to slow down. And the one thing I would say, what is critical, and I want your thoughts on this. He's not good against pressure. His numbers are awful when he gets pressured, but there's a caveat to that. You do not want to blitz to create the pressure because against the blitz, He will destroy you. So I think a major part of this football game on Sunday, Greg, is for the Patriots to get pressure on Lamar without having to blitz. If they can get pressure with their defensive line, this is a big game for Judon. If they can get pressure on him without blitzing, I think you can somewhat limit the damage.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, in watching the two teams, the Jets and the Dolphins, who defended Lamar earlier, and and look, Lamar isn't, isn't going off the entire game. There's a lot of drives where they go three or five plays and they just stall out. And to me, the most effective way against Lamar is you need about five athletic guys within the line of scrimmage. And you just need to keep him in that. You got to keep him in the pocket and you got it. You cannot rush past him. Um, I was just watching the the Raiders game last week, you know, against Kyler Murray. And for the most part, Max Crosby is like, he's just absurdly good. He's stupid good. But on one of the, or no, it was Chandler Jones, who's been awful for the Raiders. And on a crucial play, he ran right by, it was when Kyler Murray ran around the two-point conversion where he ran around for like 90 yards and scored the touchdown. Sorry, not that play. There was another play like that. And Chandler Jones ran by Kyler Murray and just gave him an avenue to run. You can't do that. You got to just stay in your lanes and you got to, you got to get after him and you can get Lamar Jackson. You just got to close down the pocket and make him feel like he's suffocating. And uh, you know, that the, to me, that's a big key. You got to be dynamic in the front and we'll see if the Patriots have enough of those guys, um, you know, taking out. Cause they like a lot of big bodies, guys, Devon Godchow, Carl Davis, Daniel Ekalale is off suspension um you know barmore you know we'll see if this is a barmore game um you know i i do think he has that athletic ability that i would like him out there a lot but that, that you got you got to close that pocket against him
1: when we look at the you know defensively attacking lamar in, in this ravens offense how big is the uh Duggar injury if he's going to miss this game huge Rick?
0: huge i mean it's just it's immense when you look at the patriots defense and you're like all right who's the one guy on this defense that um, if, we, if he's the spy on Lamar Jackson, and a lot of teams what they do is they'll start off in two shell, and the Patriots do this all the time. Then they'll rotate to one single high safety, and they'll drop down the other safety normally in a robber slash lurker type of thing where it's like, all right, he's going he's gonna to sink and double somebody specific, like say Mark Andrews in the middle of the field. But what a lot of teams do against the Ravens, is uh they they will drop that safety down and basically he'll he'll come down and rotate down to be a linebacker to be a spy against Lamar Jackson. And to me, in my mind, Kyle Duggar with his speed, hit his his explosive ability, his athletic ability overall, he's the one guy where, like, say in practice, I would have Kyle Duggar playing Lamar Jackson in practice because he's this he's he's as close to that type of athlete that the Patriots have. He is apparently he is, he was on the practice field yesterday. So was Jacoby Myers. Both did not participate. They just went out for like stretching, maybe to test what they have. Both are on the field today. This is Thursday. We'll have to wait for the practice report, but that's, that's good because I, I don't know if they can win this game and, and shut down Lamar Jackson without uh,
1: a, a somewhat healthy Kyle Duggar. You just go back to the Miami game and, and, you know, you look at, yes, he he made a mistake, a big mistake on the Jalen Waddell touchdown, but you go back to Duggar's ability in the open field to tackle Tyreek Hill going downhill. um, And he has that capability. And so he's the guy on that defense that can track down great athletes and make open field tackles. So I agree with you. If Duggar's not out there, that's going to make the Patriots defensive job that much more difficult. Um, So when you look at, before we get to some of the Ravens issues that they might have that you see the Patriots looking at this Ravens defense, Greg, and Mac Jones looking at this uh, Ravens defense. What do you think they have to do against Baltimore to be consistently successful on Sunday in Foxborough?
0: I think they got to throw the ball. Um, I, I, you know, and and look, it's dangerous because um, you know, they do have some good players on that defense. Um, You know, Marcus Peters, when he's engaged is good. He he was not good against the Dolphins. He was part of the reason why they gave up all the all those points. Marlon Humphrey is back this year, one of the best in the league, got paid in the offseason. And then Demarion Williams uh is is a, is a rookie. He's playing slot cornerback um, and their safeties are pretty they're they're pretty good. Chuck Clark is pretty good and of course uh Marcus Williams is tremendous at free safety. And so on paper, you say, "Oh, I don't want to throw against those guys," um, but I just think that I think the Ravens are too good on the interior with you know Matabuke and and uh, you know Cleas, old man Clayus Campbell is still in there, and Pierce and um, you know Michael Pierce, they're tough to run against. I do not love the Ravens linebackers at all. Bynes and Queen are, are not off to a good start this year, but. You know, if they think they're going to slog it out against this team, um, I don't think that's the case. And look, even if you have to look at the Ravens and Lamar Jackson sort of the way you looked at Patrick Mahomes a few years ago with the Chiefs, you might be able to hold them down for a quarter, quarter and a half, something like that. But at some point, the Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are going to figure things out. They're going to get hot, and they're going to go on a run. And they're going to score at least, even if the Patriots play their best defense, they're going to score into the mid-20s. They're going to score at least 24 points. So the Patriots have to figure out how they're going to score 24 points after averaging 12 in the first two games. And to me, that's that ain't going to come grinding it out, running the ball, uh, Dinkin and Duncan, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to open things up in the passing game and, and try to get the Ravens to play undisciplined, which they will. And you know this is where sort of coordination and play calling come into play, where you know you, you 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 trick these guys into thinking that they're gonna see something, and then they get something else, and then you pop a big play. But the the plays that Mac Jones left on the field against the Steelers, uh uh-uh, that can't happen this week. They got to capitalize on everything this week to make sure that they keep pace with the Ravens.
1: So the Ravens issues, you don't like the linebackers uh, discipline, lack of discipline. They might not, you know, they, get, they might get lost in the, in the shuffle certain times and, and be misled by by certain looks and all of that stuff. Uh, also, anything else with, with this Ravens team that you would say is susceptible for the Patriots to kind of attack on Sunday, Greg? Anything else that pops out at you? As far as who, say that again. The Ravens issues with the Ravens, any, any other weaknesses aside from linebacker and, you know, lack of discipline and and, and some of that stuff. The Anything offensive line.
0: You, yeah. All the right. offensive line. I mean, I think, I think they're going to have to dominate up front. And, you know, the big thing is again, Matthew Judon is going to have to be dominating. I mean, I, I have a lot of uh, confidence right now in the Patriots defense that they're going to execute and, and probably keep things within, um, Within reasons, there are still some play calls with Steve Belichick that I'm just like, what was that? I mean, but, you know, they haven't gotten exposed because, you know, it was two a week one in in a new coach and they really didn't, you know, start to click and figure things out until the fourth quarter against the Ravens. Like I, th- I think I said off the Dolphins thing, I'm glad uh, off the Dolphins spot. I'm glad they got the Dolphins when they did because they're going to start clicking pretty soon because there's a lot there on that offense talent and scheme wise and and look what happened in the fourth quarter. And then you got Mitch Trubisky. This is an entirely different challenge altogether. And, uh, but I do like a lot of what the Patriots are doing specifically Jonathan Jones. I'm hoping, I'm hoping he gets a lot of Bateman and, and, you know, shut him down because I think Jonathan Jones has been awesome to this point. And and I would just, um, you know, let, let Lamar Jackson beat you, shut down Andrews, shut down Bateman and then let Lamar Jackson beat you with everybody else. He might be able to, and, and just with his own legs and his own talent, but that's the way I think you got to approach this game. All right, we got more to keep it rolling here in a minute, but first Greg's going to tell you about Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. Now I've been on it for going on three months, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy, kind of has a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things that you want. I'm telling you it's true. As soon as I take it, it feels like I have like an energy boost. The stuff feels good and it does great things for your body. I take it first thing in the morning. It's now part of my morning routine and I'd be lost without it. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free 1-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
1: A year of vitamin D and five free travel packets. Not too bad of a deal. Again, it's it's Bedard is what you want to pay attention to with that code with Athletic Greens, our friends who are doing some uh, great work. All right. I, I got really just two questions for you, Greg, um, about the Patriots heading into the weekend, the two things that stick out at me. and And really, it's going to be about the offense. First of all, what are they doing with the tight ends? Will we see we saw a ton of 12 personnel week one. We didn't see really much of it week two. What's the plan is, is this, is this, we know it used to be with McDaniels game specific. I know you said earlier this week that, Hey, don't expect a ton from John O Smith, but will the Patriots make a concerted effort consistently to get Hunter Henry and John O Smith involved because they're paying them a ton of money. And because I think, dare I say, it could actually help their offense a little bit.
0: Yeah. I I think, I think Hunter. Yes. I think there will be a Hunter game at some point. Um, It's just, you know, look, watching these guys game plan and how they go about things i think it's very simplistic it's like you know it's it's basically like you know offense for dummies where it's like all right well all right what's our advantage this week and they thought last week they're like well we want to get the steelers in nickel because we'll be able to run the ball a little bit better so how are we going to do that and all right well we're going to go 11 personnel we don't want to use the two tight ends as too predictable. They'll have their base. So what are we going to do? We're going to put little Jordan Humphrey out there and they're going to react with nickel. But really, that's sort of like 12 personnel for us. OK, fine. Great. That's that's but you don't need to freaking do it like 85 percent of the time in the game. Like <laughs> you like there, there are other ways to do it and to be calculated and be like, all right, well, we're going to save this in our back pocket. For a certain point in the game. Instead, it's just like, you know, they used two personnel packages in the first game, 12 and 11. Then this game, it's it was all 11 personnel. And yes, they did. I will give them credit. They mixed and matched the receivers a little bit better. Uh, so that was good for the most part. But like, you know, seriously, it's it's very rudimentary what they're doing offensively. Um, I think Mac realizes it. I think this is some of Mac's frustrations, and I think he's not playing with a lot of confidence in the scheme still. But I do think I'm hopeful. I mean, I keep saying it. I mean, every time they get in the red zone, they've now been in the red zone four times, and I don't even think they've looked Hunter Henry's way once. Um, you know, do you want the Ravens – do you want to use 12 personnel in this game? Do you want the Ravens in base? Um no, I think I want them in nickel. I think I want the rookie on the field. So, you know, we'll see how the Patriots deal with that. It could be, they could go with a fast group this game. I think they think they think they're being really smart and sneaky to being like, Oh, well, look, now we're going to use a speed group with 11 personnel last year with last game. It was, a it was sort of like big nickel, but for offense, we used a, a big 11 personnel and this week we're going to use a small 11 personnel. It's just, it's, it, they look like they look like an offense that's being coordinated by a bunch of defensive guys um, and that they think this is the way to go and maybe it is but there's no question they have to get the 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 tight ends going they have to go they have to get hunter henry going they need a threat in the middle of the field help open up the edges because they they need to make big plays and and you got to set that up throw it down the middle of the field get it to hunter henry especially in the red zone and let's go
1: Does Kendrick Bourne start to play more and Devontae Parker start to play less this weekend? I would love to say yes,
0: but I don't have a lot of confidence in that. I think that Devontae Parker is Matty P's guy, that he found him, as we heard from Mac Rowe, and I think he is going to keep... I bet you they're instead of saying, "Oh, let's do more of this," I think they're they're thinking, "All right, well, let's dial dial a few more things up for Devonte Parker because he is a Mitch match and he can do X, Y, and Z." Um, I, I I don't have a lot of confidence in that in that at this point.
1: Hopefully, you're wrong. I mean, as far as look, if you're going to play Parker, hopefully, he actually shows up and makes place. And, and maybe you know, it's only been two games. Maybe he can turn this thing around. He has shown in the past that he's a, a good, legit NFL wide receiver. He had a good, you know, camp at least early on in the camp. And, you know, if they stick with Parker, hopefully he can make some plays. If not, then we're going to get to the point where it's just, you know, irresponsible by the coaching staff to not replace him by Kendrick Bourne. Uh, some good matchups this week, Greg. Uh, before we get to our pick for this game coming up on Sunday between the Patriots and the Ravens, Uh, some really good matchups, especially, you know, when you look at the in-division matchup, right? We've got the Bills and the Dolphins. How do you feel about that one? What are you looking for?
0: Yeah, I think this is a true test of like, you know, where, where the Dolphins are. I mean, again, I think it's a little early for them. I mean, this is just the third game of Mike McDaniel as a head coach in, in, in the league. And they, they put in a new offense and all that. And, Look, I think the Dolphins are a really good story. I think they're one of these sort of flash in the pan early in the story, sort of like, you know, Brian Dayball's 2-0 and with the Giants. Does anybody think the Giants are good? No, they're they're horrible, and they're not going to be good um, this year. They just got off to a good start, just like, you know, conversely, you know, the Raiders are 0-2, but if they made one more play in each game, they're 2-0. and So uh, that's just the way, you know, football is. I think the Dolphins have been a little bit fortunate. Um you know the the patriots weren't ready in the opener uh they got the ravens fell asleep i don't think that'll happen again and i i just don't one really good offensive one quarter of really good offensive football from tua and the dolphins is full scold to me i need to see it over the course of a whole game and i think the bills are just they're they're unbelievable this is the closest to the 2007 Patriots team that I've ever seen, you know, in terms of, and I didn't cover that team from afar, watching it from afar, sort of like I am with wow. the bills right now, you know, watching at the ease on how they move the ball and that at it, it, you just think like they can do whatever they want, any down, any distance, they can score a touchdown. They can get a first down. If it's third and 12 Josh Allen scrambles for 13 yards, like th- this is the closest I've ever seen where I-, I think the only person who stops or the only team that stops the bills is themselves, which might ultimately end up happening. But to this point, I think the bills are a juggernaut. And I think they, they bring a dose of reality to the dolphins in South Florida.
1: That is high praise. The one thing I will say about the bills is they're very banged up in the secondary. So I don't know how Mm -hmm. that's going to wreak havoc on their defense. They've got three or four guys, important guys, you know, Hyde is banged up. uh, Poyer is banged up. So you got the white thing going on. And, you know, so there's a lot of Dane Jackson, obviously took that awful hit and thankfully he's okay. And, and and got released from the hospital, but they are dealing with some stuff in that secondary, but I tend to agree with you anyway, Greg, I, I do think the bills are the much better football team. And I tweeted something similar to what you just said after the dolphins game on Sunday, look, I give Tua all the credit in the world. They had a great second half, and Waddle and and Hill went absolutely off. But I'm not going to erase my memory of the last two years of what Tua has looked like. I'm not going to erase week one the way Tua looked like with Waddle and Hill against the Patriots. So I I need to see Tua do it consistently, and I need to see him have a a very strong season before I, I stand up and say, okay, he's QB1. He's a legit franchise quarterback. I need to see more than just one half. And you know the Tua stands last weekend immediately jumped to Twitter and got their thumbs busy because he had an incredible second half. Like every time the guy completes a pass over fifty yards, there's a, a thousand videos. Oh, I thought he yep. couldn't throw the ball deep. Everybody just calm the hell down. It's one half of football. Um, Packers Bucks is another Packers Bucks is another interesting matchup, Greg. Yeah, and
0: we and, and we as Patriots observers see the Packers next week. So we have a uh, vested interest in this. I, I haven't seen really much of either team. I, I just, to me, this is Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Um, we'll go down as two of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history facing off for the final time. Too bad it's not at Lambeau. Um, but we get Belichick versus uh, Rodgers for the final time at Lambeau next week. And, uh, I, I, it's just sentimental to me. Like, I'm just going to sit back and be a fan, watch two guys that I've covered, um, for the final time. Uh, this is just another sign of how freaking old I'm getting. Um, (laughs) but I, I just love it. I, I love watching these two guys. I want to, you know, I I thank them for the many years that they've entertained us. And I just want to be a fan and watch, watch a great show.
1: Brady and the offense has not been spectacular. Um, You know, obviously last week he's had issues with the saints since he's been a buck. It's really weird He just doesn't play well against that team Mike Evans is going to be out because of his suspension because he wanted to be a knucklehead last week So, you know, there's a lot of injuries to the bucks wide receivers They had to go out and sign cole beasley this week because they're very thin So I wonder what that's going to look like Defensively the bucks are very very good. They're just very good. Uh, the packers Rogers, you know, had a had a bad start week. One was much better last week. Uh, he got Lazard back. Lazard's a little dinged up again. Uh, Bakhtiari is still not playing with that knee. He's been out for more than a year now, which I don't know what's going on with that towards ACL and stuff, but he's been out for a long, long time. He's not been able to figure that, that knee out. Uh, so Rogers has had a little bit of an inconsistent bumpy ride because he's, you know, depending or he's supposed to depend on young receivers, but he, he really, I don't think is going to do that. I think he's going to be looking at Cobb and Lazard and Tunyon all year long. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. Aaron Jones had a ton of, uh, a number of touches last week. He only had eight touches in week one. Matt LaFleur came out and apologized for that because it's inexcusable. They can run mm-hmm. the football. Jones is good. He's a dynamic receiver. And they expect that Packers defense to be better. Whether or not it's going to be, we'll have to wait and see. Um, should be an interesting game. And the last one we want to talk about is Sunday night football. Niners, Broncos, Russell Wilson, and of course now Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Yeah, I,
0: I um again when I cover the Patriots, I don't have a lot of time to watch other games and outside of Patriots film and then their upcoming opponent. And I also make it a point to watch Raiders film um because of McDaniels and his offense and and seeing what they're doing. Uh so I haven't seen a ton of these guys, and plus Jimmy just came off the bench. I, the big thing for me in the Broncos stuff that I've seen, um, I just don't know how good Russell Wilson is anymore as, as far as his legs. His arm, he could still sling it. and yep. But, you know, he, at times he, he thinks he can escape things. He doesn't have the gear anymore to escape the pocket or get to the edge. And, you know, can he still be Russell Wilson? Can he still be good enough as, you know, Russell Wilson from the pocket? Is that the same as Russell Wilson – you know, previous like MVP candidate. I just don't think it is. I don't think, I think he needs all parts of his game firing. And I think at his age with all the hits that he's taken behind that Seahawks line over the years, I don't think he's the same guy. And I am very interested to see how the 49ers cook with a full week of Jimmy G and a Jimmy G game plan this week. Like, cause I think, I think he's the better quarterback for this team if he stays healthy and I think we'll see it this week.
1: I've talked so much about the Niners to so stay away from it. Cause I <laughs> talk a ton about them out here in Sacramento, but I, I will say about Denver, two things. The first thing about Wilson, uh, I agree with you. He's not, he doesn't have the same athletic impact he used to have. And I found it fascinating before week one, that Monday night football game, when he went back to Seattle, there was a long story written about the relationship of Wilson and Carroll, and what went wrong in Seattle for Wilson. And one of the major points of that article where people in the Seahawks organization saying he is not the same athlete. He he cannot, just like you just said, Greg, he cannot escape pressure like he used to. He cannot make plays with his legs like he used to. He is slowing down. It started a couple of years ago. It's continuing to get worse. He's not going to be the same guy. Uh, I found that telling. And so far, it's been the absolute truth if you've watched him play. The other part is Nathaniel Hackett has been way out of his league the first two weeks. Yep. And it got to the point last week that the home crowd was literally <laughs> counting down the play clock so that the offense knew when they had to snap the football. Because, you know, I talked to Mark Schlereth this week on my show, and he works in Denver now, along with doing the Fox games on Sundays. And Schlereth said, it's, it's just the operation. Like it's the operation of a, of a first time head coach. And he said, you can tell there's confusion on the sidelines. There's confusion on the field. Plays are getting in late. There's no feel for the rhythm of the game and, and, and when to get those plays in and and how you've got to operate your offense. And, you know, because plays are getting, you know, thrown out there so late to Wilson that, you know, the offense is struggling to set up in time. They look confused. It's all just really panicky right now in Denver. And it starts with the head coach who doesn't really know how to handle the game right now. And so that'll be interesting to watch if Hackett can figure it out. All right, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about the Patriots pick here against the Ravens coming up on Sunday. But first, Greg's going to tell you about BetOnline.ag.
0: Yeah, football is back and BetOnline is your number one source for all your football betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest odds, news and game matchups, including this week's week three Opening, sorry, week's games. <laughs> I just <screwed> up. <laughs> let me start over. Football is back, and bet online is your number one sports for all your football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest odds, news, and game matchups, including this week's week three lines. BetOnline is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. And I love doing the little parlay things like, hey, pick out three or four games and, you know, increase your odds. Feeling strong about something? Go do that. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. President's Cup this weekend right now, baby. Go Good. bet on it. Head to betonline.ag and join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, the Ravens in Foxborough on Sunday. They are a three-point favorite drag Bedard. Okay, so I am going with the Ravens will not reach their average because the Patriots will play – good sound defense as much as they can, but uh still too much for the Patriots offense. So I am going Ravens 27, Patriots 17, uh a little bit better on offense. I think they like make baby steps every week. It's still not good enough. Um but I do think that I think the Patriots know the secret sauce for holding down Lamar. They beat them last year in the in the rain or was it two years ago, Cam Newton in the rain. Uh, don't ask Ravens people about that game. They pretty much put it all in the center who could not snap the ball, uh, back to Lamar in that game and and a few key fumbles in that game. Uh, but still the Patriots know how to make this a 60 minute game with the Ravens. I just think the Ravens are too
1: talented and the, and the Patriots just aren't there offensively yet. You know, one of these days, I'm just going to say the pick first. So people don't think I'm jumping on your bandwagon. (laughs) There you go. It's so damn ridiculous how like every week we go in and we're, we're so close in our predictions. It's ridiculous. So I'm thinking 24, 17 Ravens. I do think they cover and really pretty much what Greg just said. I just think the Ravens are more explosive offensively than the Patriots right now. And, you know, one or two big plays and that's, you know, you put up 10 points off of one or two big plays and it changes the game. And I, I just think, you know, Lamar's playing better football. I do think the Patriots will limit them, uh, especially early on. I think they'll play incredibly conservative defensively and just, you know, force Lamar to make the simple plays like they do with Mahomes, and hope that his legs don't impact the game as much as they usually can. But I do think, you know, twenty four seventeen, I got Ravens by a touchdown and they cover. Uh, BSJ member question of the day: Don't forget about their annual plan thirty nine ninety nine. Get all the best coverage of all the Boston sports and, of course. John Corrales, I'm sure, is going to be hammering this Ime Udoka story mm-hmm. for the next couple of weeks. Uh BSJ, member question of the day, Greg, you told me you would find one. Did you find one? And if you did, what was it? So two man
0: under uh wrote something and it's not really a question, but uh let's just it's a good discussion point. He said, Let's say Mac turns out to be a Matt Ryan or Kirk Cousin. This is in response to my breakdown column where, you know, I took Mac to task for the way he played and I broke down eight different plays. In a 15-year career, maybe he'll have one MVP-type season. In this day and age, that's not nearly enough. Either you get a more athletic quarterback or get him two-like weapons. This middle-of-the-road BS is just sitting by the dock of the bay, wasting time. Um, <laughs> I, I, look, I think some of his points are valid, but look, I think Mac... This is the bottom line. I think Mac is a good enough quarterback with development, and he's not there yet. But in time, he will be a quarterback that can win a Super Bowl on an annual basis. That is good enough um, as long as he's not getting a contract that is top of the market if he takes more of a Brady-like deal. But here's the thing. Bill's got to quit screwing around with the way he constructs rosters. Like, this is not 1992 anymore yep. and he's got to drop the special teams bullcrap because no one even punts anymore the bills don't even punt that's what you want to get to <laughs> stop worrying about covering punts and kicks and how about this don't punt like g- build up your offense so they got to get more dynamic they need they need more dynamic playmakers they need a better they need more athletic tight ends they need a better cat- pass catching running back they need more dynamic receivers maybe Tyquan thornton is the first step in that maybe, maybe, you know, Matt grow talking about, we need to get faster. And, you know, his press conference was like, you need to get faster. You go get a fast guy. And Tyquan Thornton was the fastest guy in the draft. Like, you know, maybe that's a signal that they're finally doing something like that, but yes, Matt Jones is good enough. Get draft better offensive linemen, get more weapons and go that route. Get more athletic. Stop thinking about special teams and start thinking about offense because
1: that's where the game has turned and Bill's got to change with the times. I agree. Ravens coming up on Sunday in Foxborough should be an interesting game to watch. We'll have plenty of talk to talk about next week. Uh, Until then, be good, be safe, be healthy. He's Greg. I'm Nick. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens and BetOnline.ag.